Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Madison Cawthorn is out, and the race in Pennsylvania still too close to call. I mean, I'm staring at the numbers. We're talking about the Republican Senate primary, the Dr. Oz race, as people knew it. 31.3% of the vote, Dr. Oz. 412,133 votes. David McCormick with 31.1% of the vote, 409,670. Kathy Barnett, who everyone said she was the spoiler, she was coming in there. And, and she was going to just crush it. 326,000 votes, 24.8%. Why is it that I don't believe any one poll? There you go. The polling gets it wrong time and time and time again. And no, the pollsters do not have an understanding of where people are at. The, the questions that they ask people see through and give answers that they want to give versus answers that are truthful. Oz was never clearly that far out ahead. Barnett was never clearly that much of a fan favorite. And Dave McCormick was never that much out of it. And now you're going to go to a recount. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833 got Tony. That's the number. 833-468-866. Uh, six nine the pacers with the number six pick in the draft lottery that be that means they pick number six in the draft in june talk to jmv from 93.5 and 107.5 the fan in indianapolis uh, about that dr matt will economist we're going to break down what's going on with the markets make sure we've got our terms under control and what exactly are we looking at are we looking at recession or are we looking at a much different view of the american economy going into the next generation and Kurt Schlichter, a columnist and author, uh, uh, joins us not only talking a little bit about what's going on in these primaries, but how about what Sports Illustrated is doing and the cultural phenomenon of trying to tell us that not only is something beautiful, but if we disagree, somehow we're bad people, when of course we're not. We're going to break that all down, but this, this primary is fascinating. And it's not the only one. How about the fact that Madison Cawthorn loses in the 11th district in North Carolina? And, and and to his credit, to Cawthorn's credit, man, he's handled it. He's 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 handled it. He he has said, uh, you know, um, hey, uh, you know, uh, congratulations uh, to you, and. Um, uh, let's rally around this candidate and uh, and and go make sure that we're victorious, right? Congratulations to Chuck Edwards, who's a state senator out of North Carolina, on securing the nomination tonight. It's time for the North Carolina 11th GOP to rally behind the Republican ticket to defeat the Democrats nominee this November, right? That's a that is a. That's what people will call a fair amount of integrity. That's, they'll say that's that's respectable. I would argue that he was never necessarily my guy or not my guy. 
and I didn't talk much. I take that back. I didn't talk anything about North Carolina. I didn't talk anything about Pennsylvania because I had no good feel of where these things were going to go, and there were other things on my mind. But why didn't North Carolina pick Madison Cawthorn? It is possible that he was a flash in the pan, and when the time came to be serious, he wasn't willing to take the time. It's possible that he got himself so wrapped up in the world of Trump that you could not determine who was Cawthorn the man and Cawthorn the Trump uh, apologist or mouthpiece. It could be that he was engaged in a series of antics that the people in the 11th said, you know what, we just, we just don't want this. We just want someone to represent us. That's it. Here, here's a state senator. He's just a Republican. There you go. Boom. Just get up there. Quiet is good. Some people have been asking whether or not Cawthorn has a future. And, and I, I uh, if you follow me on Locals, TonyCats.Locals.com, I'm like, yeah, he's. I, I don't see any reason why he doesn't have a future. I, I don't think there's a, a, a reason to, to, to somehow think that it, it's all over for him. America loves a second act. America is good to people looking for their second act. And he's, he's 26. He's younger than producer Ari. He has a, 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 all of the, the, the future he wants in front of him. The question is, of course, what does he do with it? And I think that part of it is, uh, you know what? You can read it over there at TonyCats.Locals.com. You got to be your own man. And, and this is true of so many people who want to revel in the Trumpiness as opposed to recognizing the value of Trump. I would never suggest you don't take a Trump endorsement. He endorses me like, hey, thanks. Doesn't, it doesn't make you beholden to anything. You do your own thing. Where you disagree, you disagree. Where you agree, you agree. You have your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own theories, your own passions. That's exactly what you do. People do indeed want that. I, I can't share with you enough how when I take a look at this Madison Cawthorn race, losing this primary, which has, you know, it's, it's not just about Trump, just so, so we're clear. Um, it, it, you, 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 uh, you have a, a series of his own mistakes and missteps, so much so that Trump said in, in a, a statement, I know he's done some foolish things, but I have a lot of faith in him. Uh, let's give Madison Cawthorn, he's going to learn from this, let's give Madison Cawthorn a second chance. It's a pretty interesting Trump thing right there, right? That's not normally what he says and what he does. He, as opposed to always demanding the loyalty and not giving it, he showed it. And I think that goes a, a long way a, a, as well. But if you take a look at Madison Cawthorn and how he's been in Congress and the relationship to Trump, you take a look at Dr. Oz and getting the Trump nomination trying to ride that. The Trump nomination garnered him 2,000 extra votes? No, no, it isn't about the Trump thing. It's putting too much on Trump's uh, 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 endorsement. I said nomination, I meant endorsement. Trump's endorsement to thinking that somehow that's the, 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 the key. Like that's all that matters. It's not all that matters. Are you your own man? Do you have, or or own woman, I, I should be clear, or own woman, do you have, all right, look, look how woke, 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 woke I am. That's right. You're welcome. I've had kale before. 
Do you have your own visions, your own ideas? Um, uh, who, who is that? Chris on, on Twitter saying Madison was too frat boyish. Uh, Christy on Twitter. Maybe, but you wouldn't say that about Dr. Oz. So whatever the other things were, and yes, there could be things about Madison Cawthorn not, not being serious enough, uh, playing it too fast and loose, as, as, as I argued it. If you're going to accuse the Republican Party of inviting you to an orgy, and then you don't say who invited you to the orgy and who was dressed up as the gimp, um, it, it's, it's hard to believe. Because you know at a Republican orgy, someone is dressed as the gimp. If they're going to go all out, they're really going to go all out. Somebody's in a vinyl suit. No? Wait, is that too soon? Producer Ari, can I get a ruling on this? I'm going to go throw up. Just, you know I'm right. Well, you, I, you seem to know a lot about this. I, I, I have a, a, a theory that if someone is um, uh, throwing an orgy... Somebody's showing up in a vinyl suit. I, I don't know about you, uh, but that's what my daddy always told me, and that's what I'm telling all of you right now. Why was your daddy even mentioning this? I grew up different than most. You got to be your own man. You got to have your own view. People took Dr. Oz, and they said, you know what? He's playing a part. He's got the celebrity name, but he's playing a part. And that doesn't motivate people long-term. Authenticity does. Child, If you're too childlike, if you're frat boyish, yeah, those things can, can play against you. But I think that there's a, a real important lesson here on the authenticity piece in all of these places. Because if the polling had been accurate, Oz wins by six points. But the polling got Kathy Barnett so incredibly wrong, and that for therefore that had a diminishing effect on on Dave McCormick. And for Oz not to pull it out, there's there there's an authenticity issue there. And I I would argue based on that, Pennsylvania should hope that McCormick pulls it out. That's my take as of right now. We'll keep our eyes on uh, that primary. In the meantime. The Government Disinformation Board, or the Disinformation Governance Board, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's, it's no more. And Nina Jankowitz is resigning, and we should celebrate. Job well done. I'll explain why. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. The Government Disinformation Board, known as the Disinformation Governance Board, um, that's going by the wayside. It's gone. Big, big fights within the Department of Homeland Security because you spoke up against it and against, well, this craziness. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So, disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's 
how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo and we really should take note. And not support their lies with our wallet, voice or vote. Can you be more shocked that they don't have her in charge anymore? But they're not trying to fire her. No, they're trying to find another place for her. That's Nina Jankowitz trying to tell you, me, and we about what is disinformation. Somehow she knows what the truth is and what the truth isn't, and only she and the people she approves of should be able to tell us. As a matter of fact, not only should she be able to tell us, if we should say something wrong on, let's say, social media, she should have the right to take our social media and edit it properly. And I am eligible for it because I'm verified. But there are a lot of people who shouldn't be verified who aren't, you know, legit, in my opinion. I mean, they are real people, but they're not um, trustworthy. Anyway, so verified people can um, essentially start to edit Twitter the, the same sort of way that Wikipedia is. So they can add context to certain tweets. Um, so just as an easy example, not from any political standpoint, if President Trump were still on Twitter and tweeted a claim about voter fraud, someone could add context from one of the 60 lawsuits uh, that went through the court or uh, something that an election official in one of the states said, perhaps your own secretary of state uh, <laughs> and, and his news conferences, something like that, adding context so that people um, have a fuller picture rather than just an individual claim on a tweet. Let us go back and adjust your tweets because we know better what we want you to say than you know what it is you want to say. That's some creepy AF government right there. And they don't think it's creepy. They think it's important. They love it. They find this remarkably valuable. You 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 want any more reasons why I'm just simply disgusted with these people? How gross I find them, how terrible uh, they, they are, not because I say so, but because they are. They're terrible. They're awful, miserable people. So now the latest is, is that it's being reported that they are breaking it up. They're going to shut down this board. As a matter of fact, Nina Jankowitz wanted to hand in her resignation, but they've asked her to stay. How does the Washington Post write it? How the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. This is from Taylor Lawrence. Now, Taylor Lawrence, uh, she, of course, is famous for not only crying on MSNBC because everybody's a big meanie except her. Uh, she is is the one who, um, oh, God, I, oh, my God, I just, I just blanked. It just happened. She was the, oh, Libs of TikTok. I couldn't remember the Libs of TikTok name. She was the one outing the, the creator of the Libs of TikTok account. Here's her name and here's where she works. And they absolutely printed where she worked. The person who owns Libs of TikTok. Look at all the disinformation. Look at how they're inspiring hate. Well, we needed to know who this person was. They could have been a, a foreign agent or a foreign actor. 
you knew exactly who it was. You knew she wasn't a foreign actor, Taylor Lawrence, and you wrote the article anyway. You and the Washington Post are despicable. And now you have it as the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. Well, to uh, the people of the right-wing, Let's hear it, Producer Ari. That's nice. That's nice applause right there. That's the kind of applause you get uh, only from Producer Ari. Good job, everybody. That's the way you're supposed to do it. You let the government know that they're nonsense trash merchants, and then they stop. And you don't ever stop letting them know when they're acting like nonsense trash merchants. A disinformation governance board going to tell us how we can speak. Where we They can adjust our social media to put out the message they see fit. And they think that's normal. Of course these people should be defeated. They're terrible people. Nina Jankowitz may be good to her friends. I don't know if she's got a family. I don't know that much about her. I know she thinks she could tell me what I meant in a, in a tweet and could actually go about correcting it. She's garbage. There's nothing wrong, different between her and, and, and a dictator. Nothing. She doesn't actually believe in freedom. Doesn't believe in it. Therefore, I've got no room for her in my life. The markets have gone nuts once again. This Target story? Crazy. We're 800 down and maybe going. Dr. Matt Will, economist, is with us next. We're going to break a lot of this down. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all so Target proves it. By announcing that um, they've got some bad results this quarter having to do with supply chain. They simply don't have the stock. And while they uh, have more revenue, that seems to be coming from the inflationary side, meaning people are paying more for the products they're getting at Target, but they're buying less of the things overall. And they missed earnings so well, I guess you could argue, that their shares dropped 24% in the pre-market. And right now, as I'm staring at it, the markets are down 818, 818 points. Now, there's a difference between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street, something we've discussed many, many times. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. But what it shows is that we have these supply chain issues and they're not going anywhere. And when you have all of this cash and not enough stuff and you're not going to have enough stuff seemingly into the future and not just a small future, you got to ask yourself if we're looking at a total reframing of how we see the economy over the next not year, but the next five, ten years versus what we've seen since uh, the, the Great Recession, if you will, or what we saw during the dot-com bust. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. And and, and I, I don't know if I want to get so wrapped up into target stock price, right? Because that could come back uh, to, to some extent tomorrow. 
but it, you know, part of this seems to be a punishing of Target for maybe, uh, as as people like Jim Cramer over at CNBC are discussing, misleading investors. I leave that to others. But it, do, am I wrong that this shows that the supply chain issues, if they're affecting the the biggest buyers out there, like the Targets, right, like Target? Well, then the effect it's having on Midwest Main Street mom and pop businesses is possibly more brutal. Tony, I think you're you're hitting two one of the points perfectly the supply chain, but the other part is the price. Buried in the wall in the Target and the Walmart data was this: Target's operating profit margin dropped from nine point eight percent to five point three percent. What does that mean for the average person listening here? It means that they absorbed all the price increases. Yes, you paid more when you went to Target. Yes, you're paying more for your stuff, but you should have paid even more. They took the hit. And they reduced their profit margin by almost half. They absorbed those costs, Tony. Can you imagine if they would not have absorbed the cost? Can you imagine if they would have passed it along to you and I? It would have been a bloodbath when you go to the store. So that's the real story behind these numbers. And that's why Target got hit really hard today, because their profit margin is shrinking dramatically. So Target instead said, instead of passing it along, we take the hit. Um you would think that, that that would be an impressive move to uh, the the actual consumer and says, you know what, Target is taking the abuse. I'm not taking the abuse. Uh, I, I appreciate that. I'll be more loyal and buy more from them. Um, but I don't know if that's 100% how it works because all prices ha- have gone up, whether Target is, is going to uh, state it or, or, or not. Uh, as a business owner, is the, I can appreciate investors being unhappy. Is this somehow seen as duplicitous by Wall Street? I don't know if that's the phrase I would use. I would say it's simply desperation because what's happening here is Target and Walmart and the other companies, they're trying to not lose their, their customer. So they're absorbing the hit. Tony, you can't absorb the hit forever. Eventually, you're going to have to pass it along to your consumer. And we are seeing it right now. The producer price index, Tony, all we talk about is CPI. We just talk about what you and I pay. But the producer price index last month was 19% annualized. 19%. That's got to be passed along to us at some point. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I accept that it's got to get passed along at some point. I believe it is already in so many places being passed along at, at some point. But now we get into the idea of how long. So so we, of course, discussed in, in depth the idea that the Biden administration would tell us that inflation was transitory, meaning temporary, was, of course, nuts. That That, that was bunk from the word go. Now we take a look at this inflation and we ask ourselves how long it's going to remain. I think the question may be, and this comes from a, through a series of conversations, including a great one just, just yesterday, what kind of economy are we looking at going forward? Is the, Just like we saw, uh, whether from the, the dot-com bust until now or from the, the Great Recession until now, incredibly low interest rates and a lot of opportunity to have easy access to capital and, and, to, and to build. Well, now that easy access to capital is is uh, blunted by a five percent interest rate, and 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 you already have Jerome Powell saying there are more coming. We're going to see and maybe another two and a half percent increase in in interest rates just this year alone. And nobody thinks that's going to stop the inflation. And we're going to get to the stagflation, which I'd like for you to define. 
Is this something that lasts for the for the t- rest of the term in terms of President Biden's term? Or should Americans start getting to the idea that five, six, seven, eight percent interest rates are going to be the norm for the next 10 years? You know, Tony, you always ask me to predict the future. And I always tell you, I can't predict the future. I, I, am, I am not good at the crystal ball. But I can tell you this. I disagree with all these other so-called experts because I think that the Federal Reserve is doing the right thing. They have tossed politics aside and they said we've got to do the right thing. And that is they indicated half a percent interest rate increase in June and July. Yesterday, Loretta Mester from the Cleveland Federal Reserve Board, she said it might be 75 basis points in June. 75. And they announced that starting in June, they're going to sell $95 billion per month in securities to reduce their balance sheet, which is fighting inflation. So, Tony, I think the Fed is doing the right thing finally. Finally, I'm going to give them credit. So I believe they may be able to get a handle on inflation. But let me tell you, Tony, they're not going to be able to get a handle on a recession. That, that train is coming down the tracks. And the stagflation you talked about, um, that is here. It is probably here right now. And that, uh, the decrease in our growth of the economy is, is, a, is a major thing on the horizon. And we can talk about that if you want. So first things first, it, it, we want to get to a definition about stagflation in, in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, first, I'm hearing, I, I didn't catch that yesterday about maybe doing three quarters of, 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 of a point, uh, 75 basis points being three quarters of a percent. So you like the idea that they're being aggressive about this inflationary number, but they can be as aggressive as they want. If there aren't the goods, you still have the issue. You may slow down the amount of cash or the cost of cash by increasing it in terms of its moving, but you still have nothing to buy. So your argument is the Fed is doing the right thing, but my, my response is, yeah, but it still doesn't solve the problem. And you're right, Tony. Bingo. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, You know, like I said, I can't predict the future. I can tell you that the Fed is doing the right thing, but that doesn't mean the administration is. The administration is doing the wrong thing. The President Biden and the Congress are doing the wrong thing because they're reducing the amount of stuff in the economy. Employment. The, The ISM last month, for the first time, was flat on employment. We talked about this labor shortage. Well, guess what? According to the Institute for Supply Management, the labor demand is now flat. That means unemployment is on the horizon. We still haven't gained back the jobs we had pre-COVID, Tony. In February of 2020, we had 152 million jobs. In April, just a few weeks ago, we still only have 151 million. I don't know what Biden's talking about when he says all this job growth. We still haven't gotten to the level of jobs we had pre-COVID. I have been discussing this uh, for for months now that it's 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 a braggadocious thing to say about creating jobs, but all we'd have people doing is going back to the jobs uh, that they had as opposed to actual uh, job uh, creation. Let's get into this idea of stagflation because I'm starting to wonder out loud exactly how long uh, this this world lasts. And and uh, I'll say it again: they can raise interest rates at a more aggressive rate, but without things to buy. As you have described, we have no supply chain uh, solutions in in sight. So that leads us into the stagflation world. Define that, if you would. Yeah, it's basically three parts. There's inflation, unemployment, and slow economic growth. And, Tony, we've got two of the three right now. We've got inflation and we've got slow economic growth. We have decreasing growth last quarter. The unemployment, though, is the, is the wild card because 
unemployment is very confusing at the moment because of the COVID situation. We're in a paradigm shift, and I hate to use that phrase, but we are shifting the employment picture. We should be at 157 million jobs, Tony. If we were on pace under President Trump, growing at about 1.5% per year in the number of people employed, we should be at 157 million. We're at 151. So while the unemployment percentage is low, Tony, the number of people employed is dramatically short of where it should be. Okay, now now I'm going to unwonkify you, and we're going to get back to talking okay, in plain English, kid. <laughs> Drive me crazy. Give me the elevator pitch like I'm a five-year-old definition of stagflation. I want to make sure I walk away with it. High inflation, unemployment, slow economic growth. High inflation, unemployment, slow economic growth. All of that it translates to time. And this is why I get back to this idea of what kind of time we're looking at. So you're not a prognosticator. Okay, fine. I will no longer ask you prognostication-type questions, <laughs> even though you should have a crystal ball already. What's wrong with you? When we talk about the history of stagflation in America or in, 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 in other societies, what kind of time are we talking about to get out of that? Oh, years. Typically, we're talking two to three years. You got to remember when when it was inherited by Ronald Reagan, he really didn't get out of it until after the midterms of his first term. So it could be two, three years. That's what history shows us. Two to three years is enough to certainly sink a, a, a presidency and sink an election. What do those two to three years do? to uh the the future growing economy right it's it's one thing to say okay we're out of it let, let's grow but if, if you were to argue it took x number of years for reagan to get out of it and then certainly we did see a level of prosperity after that how does the prosperity come meaning what are the indicators that people look to or what are the places people start investing in or what are the things that you see that make you go ah okay that's a good sign None, Tony. I see no good signs on the horizon. What would they be? That was my question. What would they be if, when you it would? What would those good signs be if you were coming out of stagflation? I get that we don't see them now. What would they okay. be? What, what would? What should we be looking for? I'm going to answer the question by telling you what what is the worst thing I see in the economy right now, and it's not something people are talking about. Productivity. Productivity is a measurement that tells us how much you, Tony, do per hour of work. That number is what I want to look at. That's going to tell me what, if the future looks brighter or looks dim. And let me tell you why it looks so dim, Tony, because last quarter, productivity dropped 7.5%. That is the lowest level, the second lowest level in recorded history. You have to go back to 1947 before you saw a decrease in productivity. Tony, I know it's a nerdy and wonky thing, but productivity is so in, important because you and I do more every, every day of, of our work. We produce more per hour than we did last year because of technology and all these other things that help us do our work. It dropped 7.5%. Tony, that's, that, is, that is great depression-type data. That scares me, and the outlook is if that number gets better. And it's not going to get better under the policies that we're currently living in inside. You know, I'm I'm not even going to ask you if you're if you're looking at uh, the depression stuff because I don't believe uh, that to be 
the the case, right? Because there's still there's still cash out there. The numbers are higher, but there's still a place for people to engage in a level of investment. There's still cash to get access to. So I, I tell me, I'm 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 wrong about that. You may not like what you're seeing, but but let's let's not be throwing around depression like we're 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 engaging in that as a serious topic. No, I, I'm, and I did. I didn't predict a Great Depression. I'm just saying productivity is the lowest, second lowest it's been in recorded history. And that is a very, very bad sign. And you asked me what would be a good sign. Well, if productivity increases. That is the, that's the holy grail, Tony. We all do produce more per hour of work. And those numbers were consistently increasing in history. Only recently have they started to decline. That says something really bad about this administration's policies regarding the economy. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box. Be sure to follow him there. More uh, to get to, and I, I think we're going to start drinking. I'm Tony Katz. I have to assume at this stage of the game, Elon Musk is just trolling now. I I have to assume uh, that's what it is. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you on the Twitter box, Tony Katz, Getter Tony Katz, and TonyKatz.locals.com. More and more happening there every single day. So Musk has now said... He's going to vote Republican in the next election. I voted overwhelmingly for Democrats historically. Like, I'm not sure I might have never voted. I might never have voted for a Republican, just to be clear. Now, this election, I will. He said uh, this while speaking at a tech conference in Miami. I am under the belief that he is trolling and seeing who he can get out of 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 Twitter, who he can get to quit. And and therefore he won't have to fire them and pay them a severance. This is my take of, of what it is the man's doing. Meanwhile, you're starting to hear from more and more people uh, uh, from, from Twitter and how much they really... Don't like you, me, and we. Now they 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 are they are more than proud to be uh, silencing people. They're more than proud to say um, it's it. You know we know what's correct. We know what the important data is. We know what's accurate, and so we're gonna uh, 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 put it put it out there. And and this was one exec uh, talking about it. There's a level of censorship to make it correct quote unquote again and what does correct mean i guess like, it just kind of goes into <laughs> the idea of like well what is correct if we're implementing all these rules that there's so-, so correct isn't anything other than what they want it to be when you say it it's not correct when they say it, <laughs> oh i got i gotta believe that musk is just trying to weed people out before he takes over and I also believe he's trying to get a better uh, price. And that's why he's questioning the bots and the spam and how many real daily active users there are. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.